Good morning. Welcome to Mom Power. This is week one, and we are so glad you're here. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm Karen Broadhead. I am the Parent Support Specialist for Life Changing Services and the Director of Mothers Who Know. And I'm just so excited about the mission we have here at Mothers Who Know about supporting and connecting and training in some wonderful things that we've learned. I know some of you are directly connected to life-changing services and have children in the Sons of Helaman or Daughters of Light program. And some of you might not know very much about life-changing services. And it's important to us that you know about our resources. And there's a big reason why, because it brings a lot of great relief and understanding to parents. So I'm going to turn the time over to BJ. She's my assistant in this meeting. So grateful for her. Okay. Thank you, Karen. Yeah. Like Karen said, she is the founder and director of Mothers Who Know, one of the life-changing services programs. I'll tell you just a little bit more about them in a second, but this is the first one of our Mom Power Live discussions that happen on Tuesday mornings, and they complement the Mom Power training series. And that training is, has just been awesome for lots of us. So just welcome wherever you are. We have lots of moms that listen to the recordings and some new faces here and faces of people that we have known and, and just gotten to know. So you are just in a neat spot. So please just come as you are. And we know that life brings, you know, all kinds of different pieces. Sometimes we're smooth sailing a little bit, and and lots of times we're bumping along. And so you just belong here. You know, all of us here know about stretchy parenting and what that feels like. And we just hope you're ready to gain some instant friends and some amazing insights as you join with us here today. So this mom power training that you've all registered for, and that's probably how you have the link for today's discussion is sponsored by Mothers Who Know. Like Karen mentioned, she's the um, founder and director of Mothers Who Know. We just so appreciate her courage and love for women and mothers. And so just so you know what Mothers Who Know is, it's an online faith-filled gathering place for all women as we're trying to joyfully support ourselves and our loved ones as we navigate some of the common challenges that are part of our time. It's just a really powerful place to find connection and support and training. And we just like to highlight also hope. And there's just lots of different classes, support groups, and webinar series and podcast. Lots of things that are available there at Mothers Who Know, just motherswhoknow.org. That might be where you found this Mom Power training class. But just know that that's a great resource for you and for you to share with other people. Just a little bit more information about Mom Power Training. If you're new here, it is one of the trainings available through Mothers Who Know, and it's just a Christ-centered series. It's an eight-part series that has eight lessons that are just packed with proven spiritual and scientific truths, and we're excited for today's lesson, lesson one that we're going to be discussing today, and And we're just so hopeful to be able to hear from you. So lesson one is titled, There is Only One. 
And we love that mom power training starts with this powerful lesson. It's one of the things that really I personally just reflect on daily. And it just really helps to keep me centered on what my special role is. And so there's only one is there's only one savior. And luckily it's not us. That's us. You know, the savior is the perfect person for that job. And in this lesson, we just find out that we can learn to stand with and for the savior, but we don't replace him. We don't need to replace him. We just have a special, beautiful role as mothers. And so just so this is just such a neat lesson to start with. And so what will happen is Karen will highlight some of the special parts of the lesson and she'll, and after that, we just have a sweet chance and opportunity to ask questions or share our insights or takeaways. So this is just a really neat part of the meeting today where each of you just, we would love to hear from you just in whatever way. So Karen, thanks for what you are doing and have done to help put this together, this mom power training. Okay, Karen, I think that's all. We'll just turn it back to you. Thanks, BJ. All right. I, I want you to know, this is kind of a special series for mom power because I felt impressed to do this for so long. And one of the reasons is because I think that Mothers You Know has a mission to thwart what the adversary is trying to do to women in their special roles as mothers. I think that one of our missions is to thwart his efforts by blowing the lid off of isolation and making it possible for women to connect and care for each other and mentor each other and to also understand that messes are a real thing and they're okay and acceptable. In fact, they're part of Heavenly Father's plan. And when we can reframe our perspective on a mess and know what our role is in a mess and know who God is for us for under Heavenly Father's plan that our Savior is all about messes. He loves them. He was born to help with messes and help us work Heavenly Father's great plan for us and our success. And so that's why this series, we are going to edit our recordings and post them on our Mothers You Know podcast channel. And so we want you to be aware of that but we want to welcome you into this exciting mission that we have to blow the lid off of isolation. I don't know why that's the phrase that came to my mind really loudly and very clearly was your mission is to blow the lid off of isolation and you have all of the support and power that you need to do that because we were born to be connected and fighting together as women and not isolated. And so often in our messes, the adversary wants us to feel like we have to hide our mess. And so I want to tell you about a time in my life where I felt like I needed to hide my mess. I was becoming so sick and so unstable in so many ways because I was so isolated 
And I had got to a point where I was so grateful that I'd finally found after, oh, five years of just working with my child, trying to help him with some self-mastery and discovering that, you know, he had an addiction and I just knew that my role in fact, I knew that Heavenly Father expected me in my role as his mother to make sure that he stayed safe, to make sure that he was going to be okay. And that it was my role because I'd been called as his mother to do everything I possibly could. This is the Mama Trauma Now What book. I just want you to hear in my words, really, it says it so well, in my words, that still mean so much to me and are so true. Just to preface this, we had finally found a resource, and I was so grateful to be aware of something that could support and help my son because everything I tried just was not helping long term. It was really hard to watch, and he was such an incredible guy. And so, to find the Sons of Helaman program under Life Changing Services was huge. It was such a blessing. And then we started on this important journey, which led us eventually to this class. So if you'll read that. I was beyond grateful to have found a program that would train my son to win his battles and eventually win the war. I thought my role was to jump in with more intensity than ever and do all I could to help him fight. My role would be getting completely involved and watching his every move. I can remember asking myself, what can I do to make sure he doesn't ever do this again? I worked really hard to insert my love, my discipline, my encouragement, my new boundaries for him, and my determination that no matter what, I will save this boy. We were at war, and I was going to make sure he won. I watched, prayed, bossed him around, checked on him all the time, made, developed rewards and consequences. Every time my son fell down in battle, I would beg him to stand back up and keep fighting. In my mind, I had to hoist his bruised body on my shoulders and swing his sword, the one I had just sharpened, at every temptation in order to ensure his victory. Okay. All right. And then I had an awakening. I was getting so tired. And I had four other children and husband and all of my efforts were being put into all of this mission I was on to save this boy because I knew that was my role and that Heavenly Father was really wanting me to work that hard to save someone who was hurting that much. And so it affected the way I could focus on other stewardships I had. It affected the way I could care for myself. It affected my faith. Because I checked all the gospel in action boxes that I just knew were the right boxes. And so, yeah, it goes on to explain that my awakening was I started writing letters to God because that's what my son was doing in the program. So I was noticing that it was really meaningful to him. And so I started writing letters to God. And in our Mom Power calendar, that's a resource for this training. It's something for you to use to find out these same things for yourself and to receive personal revelation about 
your things at your house and in your heart and your mind. And so I started writing letters to God and I started listening and looking in the scriptures for guidance. And in that, I discovered for the first time at age 44 that I could receive personal revelation in a significant way. And before that, I just felt really like I knew all the right answers, but I didn't know how to find the Savior. I didn't know what that meant to really fight with him and for him and believe him and trust him. I didn't really know. And so one day it hit me right in between the eyes. Hey, Karen, it is my work and my glory to bring to pass the success, the immortality and eternal life of all of my children, of your son. And you are doing a great and meaningful work, Karen. It matters. But you're doing so good at it that you're beating the Holy Ghost to his job. And whenever I have something to do that I'm working on with your son, you're so vigilant and feel like it's your job to make sure that he's okay, that you don't wait. You're kind of in my way. I'm trying to do my work with your son. And you're kind of in the way. And that was like so alarming to me. Because remember, I was feeling like, hey, I know Heavenly Father expects me to sweat this much and to give all my guts to this. Because this is a really big mess. And it happened on my watch. And so, so then I went wondering, well, what should I do instead? Because I don't know how to be a mom except with guts and sweat. I don't know what to do instead. And so the next thing that showed up as I was asking that question, like, okay, I heard that. And I can't believe I heard that because that shifted my thinking so strongly because my son had been in the program for, oh, almost two years. And he had improved so much and had come such an awesome, powerful way from where he started. And I knew we were in the right place, but in my waiting for him to just be healed, get better, stop, stop with this addiction, I really had to start focusing on me. And my awakening was, where is your battle, Karen? This is your son's battle. So where is your battle? Where is your purpose? What are you supposed to do instead of use all your sweat and all your guts? Because guess what? That was never your job to do that. And so what happened was the next information that I got from the scriptures as I was doing my prayers, writing, and reading, and implementing this power journaling that we like to refer to in our mom power training and mothers who know. But what happened was I happened upon in the New Testament, that story of the rich young ruler, where he's asking the Lord, what lack I yet? Because I am doing 
everything, all the boxes. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. All the things you've said are important for me to do. I try really hard to do those things. So what lack I get? And if you remember what the Savior said to this rich young ruler was, I need you. Oh, this still makes me so emotional because it was so real. I need you to give up what you value most and come follow me. That's what I need from you. That's your role. If you're going to find out how you can move out of my way into a place that is your stewardship and find out what that stewardship is, then you have to find me first because you won't be able to overcome the adversary and his enticing, distracting, and deceiving lies about your mess unless you can believe me and trust me and know that I am on it. I'm on it. I'm completely aware of every detail, even more details than you are. And I know how to save this child. He's my child first, and you get to be the mom. And so one of the great principles that comes out in this first lesson, there's only one, was my awakening to there's only one you, Karen. There's only one you. And you get to be the mom. And your role is to support my work. That's your role. And the way that you can support my work has so much to do with you understanding what the real battle is. The real battle is staying in a place where you know, underneath Heavenly Father's plan, you are always powerful. You always have power. And understanding that you're never powerless, but that the enemy wants you to think you're powerless. And so you get discouraged and miserable and give up. So the second one that I needed to know was that there's only one enemy. There's only one enemy. And it's not your son. It's not this addiction. It's not your husband and what you wish he would do or not do. It's not you because you missed it because now your son is hurting and it's all your fault because you're the mom. In fact, the reason he got ensnared in this is your fault. Like you didn't know enough about technology. And so he just went right into that like a big old swimming pool, right? And you just didn't even know, like this is your fault. And so I'm not my own worst enemy either. There's one enemy. And the third thing, the third one that I needed to know was there's only one savior. It is my work and I glory in it. I'm good at it. Nobody is better at it. It's my work to bring to pass the success of your son and you. 
I want to heal your son, but I need you to heal because I need you to support my work. And as long as you're being deceived by the enemy, thinking that you're the enemy or your son is the enemy or the, the timing of how this is all happening or not happening, that's the enemy. If you're so focused on all of those things that are very temporal or horizontal, then a ceiling shuts and you can't see the vertical view of I'm here, I'm here and I got this. And Heavenly Father's plan is so real and he's created it in such a way that no one is ever powerless. There's always a way out, always a way up. And it's always through me, the one and only savior. So this scripture is so huge for this training. We are trying to figure out what spirit God gave us as mothers. He did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And in this training, that's what you're going to learn is where does my power lie? How do I use my love to support God's work? And how do I maintain a sound mind in such a big mess? How is that possible? And so we want to look for, there's so much evidence that the adversary uses that says, this is what's really real. Your son has been in this trap for this long. You are the terrible mother that caused this to happen. There's evidence. Satan will never tell us a lie or an untruth unless it's connected to evidence of truth. He knows that that's the way he deceives God's children is to show us evidence that appears real to us and then make us feel afraid like there's no way out. But God gave us the spirit, power, and of love, and of a sound mind. This is the spirit God gave us. And so in this training, we're going to learn how to cheerfully do things in a mess that lie in our power. And we're going to learn what it feels like to stand still and have the utmost assurance to see that God is doing his work and that his arm is being revealed. I'm no longer going to believe the adversary and all this false evidence. I'm going to believe in the, in the Savior. And I know that his arm will be revealed here. I will not be a pawn in Satan's game. So really, we're kind of learning how to kick Satan's trash in this training. We're kind of learning that who we really are, whose we really are, and that with that knowledge and some ferocity behind our identity and our purpose, we can do incredible things that support and influence our child in such a cool way. So as it relates to power, we need to understand that with those three ones, there's only one me. There's always something within my power 
And because I want to be an atmosphere angel, we're referring to these as spheres. Because one of our roles as daughters of Heavenly Father and mothers in Zion is to be an atmosphere angel. But that's almost virtually impossible if we can't see who the real enemy is and that the Savior is doing exactly what he is supposed to do. He glories in that work and that there is something I can do. Always something I can do to help him with that. And one of the things is to see the battlefield clearly. So my personal battlefield, my awakening was to notice that there's always something within my power because I am full of love and a sound mind. And the Savior has given me the ability to manage me in a way that's helpful. And he, through his grace that's sufficient through his atonement, will help me be more than I can be by myself as I look at this. So really, I'm asking myself, how can I cheerfully do all things that lie in my power? And I know that I can only change and grow me. And when I do that well, my love shows up as this atmosphere angel that I want to be. I have the power to influence other people in a really cool way because I'm connected to the Savior fighting with him and for him and staying by the tree. That's a battle cry in mom power is stay by the tree. I want to really understand how do I catch hold of that rod and know how to get back to that love of the savior and that peaceful thinking. So I'm empowered to influence. And I'm really asking, how can I stand still with the utmost assurance right here because this is the enemy's territory where he's trying to steal people's hearts, steal people I love. It feels like he's winning sometimes. And I'm not going to believe that anymore. I'm going to believe that I have power to influence and that my unique role is to cheer and to love and to encourage. And then if I'm going to have a sound mind. I have to separate my business from God's business. There's only three kinds of business. There's my business, your business, and God's business. And whenever I get outside of my business, I am so vulnerable to become really miserable because I'm stepping into other people's agency and wanting to force things that maybe don't need to be forced. They just need to be influenced and let the Holy Ghost do his job and encourage. And then I also have to realize that I'm not a healer. It is my loved one's job to fight and change behaviors. And it's my job to fight on my own field and trust that they're learning and growing muscles on their field. And that I can bring them water bottles and I can hug them and I can encourage them and I can tell them that I know they're going to get this, that I trust them and God and that I'm right here to support them like nobody's business. I'm the boss of that. I'm a good supporter. 
I support God's work and I notice how I can support you in an influential way that will wake up your identity and help you. And it doesn't matter how long that takes for you to shift. But I know for me, if I'm going to wait for you to shift, I got to know how to take care of me. So we're asking, how can I see the salvation of God? How will I wait for his arm to be revealed here? So this is his business. So it's so important to ask ourselves, whose business are you in whenever you start getting miserable? But I just want you to know that it's so much about your awakening and your personal revelation and you identifying what your role is and how much power you have when you allow God to do his work and figure out what your work is. So I'm just going to end right there. We have about 20 more minutes. I just would love to open it up for you to, to share some of your thoughts and your takeaways from this lesson or ask any questions you have. So grateful for your participation and your comments and invite you to, to go for it. I remember just learning about this concept from Karen about seven years ago and what a relief it was to, I don't know where I got mixed up thinking that this was my job to make sure of all of this with my family, to make sure everyone came to church. They did this, they acted like this, they did these things. Of course, I was so prayerful and seeking the spirit in, in ways I could influence. And that spot of mine is not diminished. You know, I, I wrestled with, well, does this mean I just sit over on the couch and say, hey, whatever, <laughs> however you guys do this, you know, I'll just wait and see what happens. Is that how I stay within my power? Is that how I, you know, but it's been neat to learn just of the special influence we can have as we stay connected so closely to the Savior and the Spirit's help. Just little things we can do or say, it would be fun to share, you know, maybe what are some of those things that are within our power? What are some of those things within our influence? I just appreciated that there's only one Savior and when that kind of settled on me, it was such a relief to think that I did not have that responsibility to save everybody that I loved, even myself. And I just, I love just letting him hold that important role. And I love supporting him in his work. And it's just been awesome to learn a few little things just in our, the way I think about it and the, some of the sweet things that I can do that are within my power. I love that scripture in Doctrine and Covenants 123.17 that Karen referenced that just says, beloved brethren or something, let us cheerfully do all things within our power. And I just like to say, you know, I will cheerfully do all the things that are within my power. And then I'll just stand still. You know, I can let that part settle and rest over there with the Savior, those sweet, important parts that he holds. So anyway, just appreciate that. But just thanks for, thanks for the lesson and the highlights, Karen. And just look forward to hearing some of your thoughts. Dear moms, we love you. Thank, Thank you. you. I, I'll just, I'm going to just step in real quick and just... Mm -hmm. 
say thank you for this opportunity to learn and to grow what I need to grow in order to help my child and myself. As Karen was talking about what is my work in my child's progress. And as I've been praying about it for months now, I got the answer that my work is on myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. and to look at my own weaknesses, my own addictions, my own things that I struggle with. And that just it opened up such a, a path to help my child heal, not really help him. And, you know, like Karen was saying, like push him along, but relate to him and that I was relatable to him. And maybe before I looked at myself, he kind of looked at me like just this mom figure that just was, you know, there to make sure his child got on mission and blah, blah, blah. And I just feel like I've softened so much since I've turned it around to myself and looked at myself and my own problems and my own issues. And just real quickly, I was listening to a podcast, but the podcast was talking about fate and destiny. And she was saying that fate is something that is what we're kind of given in this life, you know, whether it's an addiction or an eating disorder or our socioeconomic package or all these things that we're just sort of given and our destiny is what we do with those things and how we push ourselves along our own beautiful, perfect path, because there's no other person. There's no me that ever has lived and there's no me that ever will live. And same with my children and to let them feel that that's their savior telling them that they have a perfectly unique situation to take the whatever they've been given and to make something beautiful out of it and that's just my thought for today (laughs) oh i love that thank you so much for sharing okay if you know me at all or have been to like warrior mothers who know or anything like that this is my favorite favorite thing is that there's only one savior and I am not him. <laughs> that was such a revelation to me. I felt just like BJ did this huge weight was lifted off to, off of me when I realized that that was not my job. And I just got to love my kid. That's all I had to do. And I like the other side that there's only one enemy because a lot of times you feel like if your children are doing things that are outside your, of your value system or, your husband doesn't really get what you're doing or even extended family, you know, somebody out there that you feel like you need to fight against them and that they're the enemy. They're causing you to be dragged down, but that's not true at all. They're fighting their own battles. Satan is attacking them and he's attacking you. And that is the only enemy you have and the only enemy you need to fight. And with Christ, all things are possible. So I just really love that love the principle of there's only one it's like i said it's one of my favorite things and it allows you when you realize that and you put everything in god's hands it's like craig dumford said last week in stay by the tree where he said that he got this revelation this inspiration that god said i have him he's in my hands you know he was my child before he was yours and it's true that christ and and heavenly father will take over if you let them And then you can work on yourself, which is really what you need to be doing. You need to worry about yourself and work on yourself. And as as an atmosphere angel, once you start doing those things, 
everything else in life kind of falls into place and your your home becomes a spiritual sanctuary because before when you were fighting or trying to save everybody it didn't allow the, the spirit much room <laughs> so <laughs> and i've i've been doing this for a very long time probably as long as bj has and the reason why i come back over and over and over again is just to reboot reset remember and keep going forward and i'm so appreciative of karen and the principles she teaches in this class so that's my two cents. <laughs> oh, I love you. I appreciate that so much. Yeah, so good. Yeah, you can take this class as many times as you want for free. Like It's a real thing. We all just need to be reminded and strengthen each other as we do it. Well, I think we're, <laughs> we're that we're going to cheerfully cheerfully <laughs> and I'm thinking I really need to work on that because when you're in a trench with one of someone you love I think you said that you just feel like you know you're dritted and you're holding on and you're gonna you're just kicking and screaming not gonna let them go and you know Elder Kupfer said once that if you're not enjoying the gospel of Jesus Christ you're not living it in his way you're living it in your way and I'm like yeah that would be me but I just really appreciate this class and I appreciate, I just have grandkids now, but, but my children, if one of them is struggling, some of the others voice their, well, he should do this or he should do that. And, you know, he's just not trying. And, you know, but the spirit is telling me, just love him and encourage him just exactly what your lesson was. Love him and encourage him. In the meantime, I just really want to tell the others to, you know, butt out. <laughs> That's not really very helpful, but, you know, they're they're just fighting their own battles. It just always seems like I'm trying to protect someone who's struggling. And like you were saying, maybe cousin doesn't get it or whatever. It always comes back to working on yourself, which is something I need to do that I am not the savior. I am not my children's savior. I'm just their chief cheerleader. I don't mean just, because it's much bigger than that. So I appreciate this. Thank you. Oh, I so appreciate your comments and your efforts and your heart. Thank you so much for sharing. Awesome. Yeah, so I love this principle, and I think it was very eye-opening for me when I first learned it years ago from this class but I do have I have a question about it and that is that I do believe that we need to do all that lies within our power and I think this is where I personally get hung up is what lies within my power with like in influencing so for example I have a daughter who is 16 and she doesn't want to attend church anymore so does it lie within my power to still invite her to church every week? Or do I just make the decision in my mind that it's not good to invite her because then it just causes me feelings? You know what I'm saying? So what I don't know is how to shift my thought process from when your children are young and primary and before they hit the real teenage years, our power 
is more because we are expected to, you know, get our kids to church, help them learn about the gospel so they can make the commitment through baptism. And so I just don't know sometimes where the line is. And I also don't know sometimes what I want to influence in a good way, but I'm starting to feel like I can't influence in a spiritual way, like that I should only influence my child to become an upright citizen and to not push the issue of of the Savior and Christ. I had this experience this past week. My daughter, she likes to clean out her room often and discard things that don't mean anything to her or doesn't go with, with her the way she wants her room to be. And she puts stuff in a box and puts it in a certain room where I have a few things I need to figure out what to do with, right? So I, I go upstairs looking for something and I find this box. And in the box is everything that she has been given or made in Young Women's. And the Christus, the little Christus statues we gave her for Easter, they're all in there. It's as if she's like putting Christ behind her. So then the next day I need to say, we're going to go to church at a certain time. So this is where I, I fall into, I'm trying to be loving and supportive, but do I resign myself to only be loving and supportive when it comes to making sure she does her homework and that she's trying to become a decent human so that she can leave my home and take care of her life? I'm sorry, this is a downer and we're done in six minutes, but that's where I'm struggling. You know, I don't know. Like I, I understand these principles and I do believe they're true. I just still struggle so much with where my power of influence should like end and allow God to do his work. So. Oh, can I just say our stories correlate so well, like almost at least 50% of what you described, I could say the same words about my daughter. And I'll just say that one of the things that I had to super highlight was noticing when are you getting out of the spirit God gave you? So if I was in a place of trepidation and worrying about where my role was and if I should say something or not say something, a lot of that was coming from a place of fear. And so it helped me a lot to think, just really think of those two scriptures that we shared today and ask God to help me discern where my power lies, even if the power right now is to just not speak or to think I have power, love, and a sound mind and can cheerfully do things that lie in my power. So I learned to say, instead of talking like we're going to church or here's what we talk like in this home forever, it sounds like the gospel, you know, just right from Sunday school. I started learning to say things like she's full of light and purpose. She's incredibly capable and powerful. And what else would you like to do today besides not go to church? What would you like to do today to connect? Because that's what's really important to me is that you and I, we are friends. And I want you to know I'm going to love wherever you're at. Because I do believe you're powerful and capable 
and that you can do amazing things. That would keep me when I would speak her truth and not let Satan tell me the real truth about her is that she's leaving Jesus behind. I have a whole box of things that I hope to someday give back to my daughter that she put in the garbage that are all about young women's and Jesus. But I just know that God is doing his work with her. I know it, but it doesn't look the way I want it to look. It looks in a way like my role became, you really have to say, okay, Heavenly Father, if I'm going to support your work here, I really need to be able to discern between fear and being all silly about that. Should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? Shouldn't I? And overcome that with sound mind thinking and talking. That helped me a lot to think, you know, say things like, well, you know, we're totally going to church because it's Sunday and we're going to leave at this time. And we'd love for you to come with us. So we'll see you in the car at this time. And I hope you make it. If not, be thinking, what else do you want to do? Like it was just change it all from this is so depressing. This is so hard for me. I can't hardly stand it. But it was a huge process. It didn't happen overnight. I had months and months of my heart hurts so bad. And I don't like that this is what's happening. And I feel like I'm failing. But a lot of it is just thinking, I am not going to let the adversary tell me she is leaving the Savior behind. Because what's happening is, it could be that her attention is even more heightened about the church, Jesus, and her agency than it's ever been before. Because she's taking such a stand. And so to support her in that confident place that she seems to be in, and just say, I'm going to love you right there. You don't have to go to church for me to love you. Oh, so thanks for your question. I wish we had a lot of time to talk all about it. So what's been running through my mind is about the doing things cheerfully. And I, sorry, I can't remember which, which class it was last week that they were talking about equanimity and about, and how it says, it's not enough to say this rots and I don't like it, but I'm going to do it anyway, because it's the right thing to do. (laughs) And how, you know, it's resistance. You know, you're doing what you need to do, but but it's not really helpful. <laughs> and uh, I think, you know, that's something I've been struggling with a lot lately is trying to do anything cheerfully. But I think it really, I think it's a really amazing principle because I think about the pioneers crossing the plains and how hard that was. And they did it. They got up every day and they sang songs and they kept on walking and walking and climbing the mountains happily. <laughs> and it was because they had a broader vision than what was just happening right here and right now. The rocks and the snakes and the tumbleweeds and the the bruises and not enough food and all of that stuff. They had the vision of there is so much more coming there's so many blessings on the way that they were able to look to that and say this is just a little thing i can get through this 
this is okay. I'm going to sing my hymn and keep going because it's all going to be okay. I think I really needed to be on here today because I needed that reminder. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. Oh, I'm so grateful for your emotion. <laughs> for your emotion because it is, it's real. One thing I want you to really hear, sisters, is that the human experience behind the pain of big messes is so real. And it is painful. And it is so human and mortal life to get stuck in the heart of a mess and not be able to see clearly or you know, someone says, let's be cheerful. And you're like, go jump in a lake. You know, I ain't going to be cheerful. This is too hard. So I do think understanding that it's a process and the Lord is so patient and understanding with where we're at. And he just wants to meet us right where we're at. And I just heard something recently and it made so much sense to me and it was if I'm at a zoo and I'm standing at the giraffes and I want to get to the monkeys I have to go to the map but the first thing I need to find on the map isn't where the monkeys are it's where I am on the map I just need to find out you are here and then once I can see where I'm at, I'm right here. I don't need to resist being right here. I don't need to judge being right here and what I didn't do and haven't done and am doing and can't do. I just need to know this is hard. And Savior knows it's hard for me. And I have a great, powerful team with my heavenly parents, my Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he's done to sucker me and help me and the Holy Ghost to remind me and to guide me and teach me things. I have this power team on my side. And if I can see where I'm at, this is where you are. That's how I'll be able to understand how to get to the monkeys. How to get to where I want to be is to just allow myself to be the mess that I am and vulnerably, honestly, tell the Lord, I am one hot mess. I'm so glad you aren't. Because I can't do this. I can't do it. It's too hard. And it hurts so much. I can hardly breathe. Like really, my heart feels like it's breaking. It's huge. What we're going through is big when we're in really big messes with people we love. Because it does reveal that how powerless we are and that we have a personal mess that needs to be addressed. It's a great gift in our life, but it's hard to see it as a gift. And so in this training, I just want to share this final slide before we end and then we'll, we'll, we'll skedaddle and I'll see you next week. Fear will always whisper to the warrior which is who we are. Like we don't feel scary. We might not think we're scary in the least. We might think we're being totally overrun. You can't withstand the storm. That's what fear, that's what the enemy will whisper to us. And we reply, 
I am the storm. Why? Because we know this. Peace is an increased skill, not a change in circumstance. Fear or the enemy, the reason we buy that lie that we can't withstand the storm is because we're not quite to the monkeys yet. We're right where we're at. And it's right where we're supposed to be. Because how do you know that you're where you're supposed to be? Well, it's because it's right where you're at. Can't be anywhere different. It's right where you're at. And so to say, I'm right here. And that peace is an increased skill, not a change in circumstance. The enemy says, if this circumstance doesn't change, then you can't handle this storm. But I'm here to testify to you that through the atonement of Jesus Christ, you can handle any storm. President Nelson said, just like that last thing that mom power came up with, the peace is an increased skill. He said, the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives. So he's literally saying, you can be cheerful in a mess. Like he's really saying that. And everything to do with the focus of our lives. So that's what we're learning. We're going to learn in this training, how do I focus in a more consecrated, meaningful way in this place where I'm noticing on my map of life, my journey, this is where I'm at. And now I'm going to have a, a vision open up as I'm learning that peace and I'm going to see myself more clearly and how to get somewhere different. Because I stand with and for my Savior and champion Jesus Christ to support his work. That's what I get to do. And so thanks so much for being here, ladies. Thanks, BJ, for your help. And oh, I just can't thank you enough for your comments and what you shared today. It was so powerful and so needed. So thank you so much for that. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody.